0: how's everyone this morning? Yay! For those I don't know, my name is Amy Elliott. I am a therapist, and I'm part of the sermon writing team, and so when the pastors are out, I just swoop in and speak at the different campuses. And so it's great to be here as we kick off one another. Now, as a therapist, I do a lot of premarital counseling, which is my favorite, because everyone's still happy. And so they come in, and we talk about all this stuff, and I always tell them, our goal is to have no surprises in marriage. Right? We want to talk about everything so there are no surprises down the road. There are good surprises, right? Five years in, I didn't know you could do that hilarious impression of Jerry Seinfeld. Good surprise. Five years in, I didn't know you had $60,000 worth of debt. Not a good surprise. So we cover all that. And my husband and I, a long time ago, we went through premarital counseling as well, and we thought, we've talked about it all. We did in-laws, finances, gender roles, expectations. We did it all, and we were ready. So our first week of marriage, we went grocery shopping together, because that's what you do when you're young and fun and have no kids. And so we're grocery shopping together, and we're in the cereal aisle, and I reach up, and I grab Honey Nut Cheerios. And he looks at me, and he goes, Why would you waste your money on that when the generic is just as good? No. Mm-mm. That's a lie. I rebuke that. That's a lie. Right? Anyone who's a cereal person knows those are two different products entirely. Honey Nut Cheerios are not Honey-Os. Rice Krispies are not crispy rice. Two totally different things. And so we're sitting, my beloved and I, we're standing in this aisle, and I'm like, what? No. No. Like, just baffled. These are two totally different things. And he's saying, No, you are wasting our money if you buy that brand name cereal. And it was beyond me, just beyond me. At which point, my husband takes out his wallet and proceeds to start putting $1 bills all over the shelves throughout the grocery store, because we're wasting our money anyway. And I was like, yeah. For those of you who are going to think about this the rest of the sermon, we have come to a place of understanding. There are some things you can go generic on, Sour cream, hot dog buns, totally the same thing. Cereal is not one of them. (laughs) You just can't. But that was the first time we realized, oh my gosh, there are two opinions in this relationship. There are two different people coming together to try to figure something out. And this was, (laughs) we've moved on from cereal in the last 15 years, but that was the first of many things where we realized, oh, we're not gonna both get our way and we had to figure it out. We had to figure out what it was going to look like to move from two individuals to a couple. And that's what we're talking about in this sermon series. What does it look like to move from the me to the we? As Christ followers, as a body of Christ, we are the we. We are the kingdom of God. So what does that look like to consider the we over our individual self-interests? Does anyone watch Little League Baseball at all? Over the summer, Little League World Series? Thank you, thank you. Uh, My family thought I had a problem because I would watch even when no one else was home, but it was so good. (laughs) And there was this team, the Hawaii team, this is them. Uh, They were this group of kids that was awesome. And they were awesome because if you look closely at the back of that boy's shirt, it says, we is greater than me. You can see it better there. Where it should have been the kids' individual last names, it said we is greater than me, and they played that way. All great teams know this to be true. All Michael Jordans have a Scottie Pippen. If you know what I'm talking about, you've dated yourself. Yep. Uh, And in the clubhouse, there's always that guy who might not be the best on the field or on the court, but he's like the one who brings the team together. He's the glue. He's the, you can do this. And so what great teams show us is that there are those that sometimes need to go forward while others go back. There are sometimes that you need to go left and I need to go right, that you need to be built up and I need to take a back seat. That's what the we is. It's putting the interest of the group or the other ahead of my own. And this is a super biblical concept. This is, uh, all of these are scripture that Paul, so you remember Paul is an apostle who persecuted the church. And then he had this amazing face-to-face encounter with Jesus. And it just changed his life. And he became church planter extraordinaire. And so he planted churches all over the place. And after he planted them, he would leave, and then he'd write letters back to them. This is how you should live. This is what conduct should look like. This is what life together feels like. This is what you do when you're in community. And so these are from his letters. The first one is to the church at Galatia. Serve one another humbly in love. That phrase, one another, Paul writes it 40 times in his letters. That's how important it is. Ephesians, that's to the church at Ephesus, he writes this letter. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Again, to the Ephesians, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. He continues speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. To the Thessalonians, Paul says, encourage one another. And the love all of you have for one another is increasing. We are called to consider each other. We're called to yield to the will of the other in all of the places and spaces that we're at, in the body of believers. And when we do it, when we submit, when we yield, it transforms our relationships. I was telling the guys, the pastors, that I was really glad I'm speaking this weekend as we kick off this idea of submission Because ladies, have we not heard enough sermons on submission? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of us have some baggage around what we've been told submission is. And so it's important to understand that submission, rightfully understood, means that all of us notice, let me go back to that slide, notice one another doesn't define a specific subset of groups. It's all of us, all believers, are to submit to one another. And it looks different depending on the relationship. And as we go forward in this series, we're going to talk about marriage next week, uh, the workplace, and then parenting. It's going to look different in those spaces, but it's super important that we all understand that as believers, we're called to submission. It's easy for us sometimes to think, oh, the encouraging, serving, humble, gentle, kind, compassion, I've got that but we forget that equally important is submitting. And it changes the relationships that we're in. People come in uh, to my office, and half the time they just want to be told who's right, right. They just want a third person to say, this is our story, who's right? And I'll look at them and I'll say, well, no, it's, it's not about being right, which disappoints everyone. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, if you are in relationship and you think you've won the fight and you're all victorious and you look down in your partner, is bruised and bloodied and battered on the ground, you haven't won anything. If you're in a team at work and you are so annoyed by this other person and you're going to cross that finish line, you're going to do this, and you look back, and the other person's still 200 meters behind you, you haven't won. See, being in relationship, the goal is not about being right. The goal is to be a blessing. And me we repeat that. In relationship, the goal is not to be right. The goal is to be a blessing. And so we consider one another and the needs of the other. We're going to be in Ephesians today. I think I spoke here a couple months ago. And at that time, I said, wow, we've been in Ephesians a long time. Here we are. So we, we've made it now to chapter 5. Look at us go. Uh, verse 18. And we'll start with Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ. Now, if you're looking at this, if you're reading along with me, notice that what it looks like is that there's really four elements here of the spirit filled life. The first one, oh, my thing is doing some fun things, um, tells us that we're to speak to each other in psalms, hymns, and songs. A spirit filled life is distinguished by this. Does this mean we live in a musical? No, but I would love that. Anyone else love musicals? I would love that, but no, it means that we just speak positively to one another. We build each other up in the way that we talk. And then we do sing and make music. We worship together. That's another hallmark of a spirit filled life. And then those that have the spirit in them are grateful. You can always tell when people know Jesus because they're grateful, they see the things throughout the day and show gratitude for it. And then the fourth one is they submit. They submit to one another. If we are filled with Christ's spirit, we are not always looking to get our own way. This is a super tough concept for me. I don't know if that's hard for anybody else. I like things the way I like them. I usually think I'm right. My husband will tell you I usually think I'm right. And so it's hard for me to keep in mind that God's calling me to something else. God's calling me to a gentler life of submission, not a weaker life, a gentler life. And so we thought we'd define what submission is not. It is not checking your brain at the door. There is no expectation that you will walk into this church and suddenly fall in line and all believe the same things and speak the same way, and that's not what submission is. God made you each uniquely and he gave you skills different than your skills. He gave you talents different than your talents. We all bring a different personality in here, and that's the beauty of community. We don't want to all look and act like each other. We want our love to be similar, the way we yield to one another, but people are going to be drawn to me that are not drawn to others, and people are going to be drawn to you that are not drawn to me because we're different. That's why we tell our story. Right? That's why if someone tells their story that's similar to your story, and they're up here and you think, oh my gosh, I'm not alone? That's why we all need to be talking about our God story, so that we know in this community there are others like us. So when we come in, we don't check our brain, we are ourselves, but we lead with love. It's not I give and you take, Right. It's not, we're not called to be doormats, that's not the deal. It's not having my own way all the time. And it's certainly not living or acting in fear or being controlled by another person. Submission is not abusive. Abuse is abusive. Submission is not that. And so we have to be careful that we don't get the two confused. So what is it then? It's an attitude of the heart. It is my desire, it is my pleasure, it is my honor to be able to serve you, son, daughter, friend, brother, sister, husband, wife. What a gift that I get to posture myself in that way, to serve you. It's a choice that I want to seek your well-being above my own. I don't need to be right all the time. I don't need to have my way all the time. I might learn a few things when I back up a bit. It's an opportunity for equal advantage. In our culture, we have a fear-mongering mentality a lot of times where if I am succeeding, you must be failing. And if I don't have enough or if I give some away, then I might run out. That's not God's way. God's way is there is enough for all of us. It's a plentiful mentality, not a scarcity mentality. And so if I build you up, I don't have to worry that I'm tearing myself down. I want you to be on equal footing, all of us together, ready to serve and praise. And then the fourth thing that submission is, is that I respect your boundaries. I know, you're thinking she's a therapist she worked boundaries in somehow, but it's true. It actually applies. (laughs) It applies here. So respecting boundaries looks like this. We create boundaries because it keeps us emotionally safe. I decide what my boundaries are because that's how I walk through the world and know that there's some semblance of safety for me. And so if you say to me, I'm not ready to talk, like I, I don't even know what I think, you have to wait. My way of submitting to you is saying, I respect that. I will wait until you're ready to talk. If you say to me, I don't like that that person in my life, it doesn't feel good, they don't feel safe, but you keep pushing that person on me and wanting me to be, to be in relationship with them, I don't like that. Me submitting to you is saying, I understand. Make the boundary where you need to make it to feel safe, and I will support you. That's what it looks like to respect and submit with boundaries, because we are called to submit to one another. Uh, The Greek word for this literally is to arrange under, to yield to the will of another. Now, we have to recognize that doesn't mean that there's superiority of one person over the other, but it recognizes that God is our ultimate authority. We have perhaps, not even perhaps, we have the greatest model of submission in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, equal to God, is God, becomes man, humbles himself to become man, and then dies the lowliest death for us. Why? Because we needed a savior. We needed a savior, and so he submits. He yields to the will of what we need and becomes the servant, becomes the slave, so that we may have everlasting life with him, and that becomes the model Whenever we think we're above submission, we're just saying it today, right? The name above all names, Jesus, submitted so that we got what we needed. He put us first, and we follow that example. Pastor Eric and I were talking about this this week, and we were talking about his middle school principal, and apparently Pastor Eric spent a lot of time with his middle school principal. (laughs) And so we were talking about this, and he said, In many conversations in his office, uh, after many, many months, Eric finally said to him, you get here early every morning and pick up trash. Do you realize we have a janitor? And the principal said, why would that be beneath me? Why would I not get here and pick up trash if that helps our community? Why would I not humble myself, I don't think you probably use those words, to get here and do that. And then Eric told me, and I did not know this, that at Disney, the executives actually, when they walk from one part of the park to another, they have those little trash grabber things. Is there a word for that? Those trash grabber things? (laughs) Trash grabber things, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, So they have those, and apparently when they walk from one part of the park to the other, they pick up trash on the way. So you'll see men and women dressed up, suits, business attire, with their little trash grabbers. Why? Because Disney is all about the experience. It's all about how the "we" experiences their time at the park. And so there's no job below anyone because they're considering you, and they're considering you. I thought that was Did anyone know that? No, I thought that was kind of amazing. I'm kind of excited to go back and see if I find them. But submission is then not about power but about posture. It's the humbling of your heart, regardless of your position in the world. Regardless of if you're the CEO, if you're the mom, if you're the dad, if you're the teacher, if you're the manager, even if, according to the world, you're at the top of the hierarchy, in Christ's kingdom, it's inverted so that we serve as though we're from the bottom of that hierarchy. That's what leadership looks like, and we do it not because we want to, Not because we're naturally good people. I'm not. I don't know if you are. Not because of any other reason, but out of reverence for Christ. We do it because God tells us to. My kids, many of you have met my kids, are super competitive over everything. I don't know where they get it. It's so weird. Um, But they're super competitive over everything. And they, they will often ask, like, who's your favorite child? Am I your favorite child? Just tell me I'm your favorite child. In my husband's phone, my son has changed his own contact information to say, favorite child, <laughs> so that when he calls, it co- pops up. And uh, so luckily, I have a boy and a girl, and I can say, you're my favorite girl, you're my favorite boy. That never works. They want to know who the favorite child is. And so they continue to compete everywhere we go. Their birthdays are exactly two years and one day apart. I know, what happens in August, right? So, uh, we go annual visits, to, like their annual doctor appointments. We go together, we take them together. And this year, I was like, oh, to the nurse, could we, could we just please do them separate? No, it'll be fine. They get to the scale. Who won? Who won? Who, won? Who weighs more? Who weighs more? Who won? Like, you don't win a scale. And then we get to the eye test, and they're competing of who won the eye test, which they both cheat at totally and probably need glasses. But they're asking the nurse, who won, who won the eye test, right? And so every, they can make everything into a competition. That, by the way, was the same visit where when the doctor asked my daughter what she likes to eat, and which was, the conversation was about fruits and vegetables, my daughter said, fried chicken and bacon. So it was a strong parenting moment for me, We don't even, I mean, (laughs) you would think, my poor kids. So with them, what we're trying to do is make them into human beings who support each other, who are kind, who have integrity, who think of one another, and yet their little personalities are wired so differently. We're trying to get them to consider, if you get up to go to the refrigerator and you're going to get a glass of milk, maybe ask anybody else if they'd like a glass of milk, too, to consider our little family here and their personalities, because the best of our personalities come out in kids, right, are very individualistic. They're very wanting it the way they want it. But what do they do? They submit to us out of reverence for our authority. They listen to my husband and I most of the time, out of reverence for our authority because they watch us submit out of reverence for Christ. We model to them what we want it to look like and then they hopefully follow suit. They follow what we're asking them to do because they respect us because we want to grow them into great adults. We want them to know what healthy relationship looks like, that it's when we're responsible for ourselves but to other people. The highlighted words are super important here. I'm responsible for myself and to other people. When the kids were little, I created a responsibility song. I think they really enjoy it. I sing it pretty regularly um, and at the most annoying times, but both of them, like if you ask them something and they point to the other person, we'll be able to sing the responsibility song to you. And this continues. I wish I could teach it to half of the people that come into my office, because what happens is they come in, and they'll say, I am, I am so angry. And I'll say, why are you angry? Because of her. OK. So what is making you angry? Her. And I say, OK, I, I heard you. I got it. So in you, though, what is being triggered, what is happening that's making you angry? And he looks at me, or she looks at me, like, I am the biggest idiot. Her, right? Why, why are you not getting this, lady? I'm paying you money. This is the problem. And what I'm trying to get them to is, yeah, you're going to feel anger. You're going to feel frustration. You're going to feel all of the feelings. You can't control that. You can't control the feeling. What you are responsible for is what you do with that feeling. You are responsible for how you respond to your emotions in relationship. I can be angry and decide, I need to take a minute before I say something I don't mean. I can be frustrated and realize I need to go for a run before I scream at my kids. I have the emotion, I take responsibility for it because I am in relationship with you, and I care how we relate. I care about the we. I'm responsible to you, because that's part of being together. We're going to continue. We're moving over to Philippians, which, again, is another letter. This one is from Paul to the church at Philippi. And verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Don't look to your own interests, but each of you look to the interests of others how do I consider you today? How do I yield to your will? How do I submit in relationship today? We live in a culture that really values independence. I don't need you. I think of this as the toddler mentality. I do it myself. If you have a toddler, you know. I do it myself. Right? That is, I don't need you. Dependence says, I can't live without you. That's when we don't know where I end and you begin. You're sad, I'm sad. You're happy, I'm happy. It's a little enmeshed, it's too much. Whereas interdependence says we can count on each other. I'm gonna depend on you this week and you're probably gonna depend on me next week. I'm gonna hold you up right now because I know there's gonna be a time when you're gonna have to hold me up. We depend on each other because we can both trust the other's going to show up when we need them. That's what we're looking for in healthy relationship. And we do it because we're following the model of the one who went before us. Paul actually says it perfectly when he continues in Philippians, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. This is why, I mean, there's a hundred reasons, but this is one of them. You're glad that I am not God because I would have a hard time not using that power to my own advantage. He didn't consider it something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. There's his submission. Even death on a cross, the lowliest, worst death. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. The name above all names, there is power. In the name of Jesus, we know that when we are struggling, when we are lonely, when we are left out, isolated, or alone, when we need the strength of God, we can say the name Jesus. And there is power in that name. And yet the most powerful name of all died the lowliest death for us. He knew we needed it. He knew we needed a Savior, and so he provided that. And in that, he provides that invitation to what leadership truly looks like. Being a Christ follower is a God-directed, Christ-focused, other-oriented faith. I'm going to say that again. It is a God-directed, Christ-focused, other-oriented faith. It's both the vertical and the horizontal. We have to have both. We learn from Jesus how we are supposed to do this life, and we cannot do this life without him. We can't do it without his strength. We can't do it without his modeling. We can't do it without him, period. And so that's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to be servants. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we submit, it opens this door where there's divine direction and blessing. Oftentimes, when we feel like we're knocking at the door and God's not answering or we don't hear him, we're not sure what's going on. And we just continue to knock, continue to knock. And our first go-to needs to be the question of what could be standing between me and God right now? Do I have any unconfessed sin that I really need to bring before him. Now, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying that every time you feel like God is silent, it's because of you. I am not saying that. Sometimes it's the sin of somebody else, it's evil in the world, or it's that God knows better than you and he doesn't want to give that to you because it's no good for you. But sometimes it is our own sinfulness. And so we, we usually do a pretty good job of going through the list, okay, haven't killed anyone, haven't lied, haven't cheated, haven't, right, Kind of tick off all the sins that we can think of. For many of us, it's okay, have I been critical? How have I been acting? Am I all those things? But we rarely go to, am I submitting? How am I doing in my submission to others in the body of Christ? We just, that's not something that's our natural default. And yet, when we submit, what happens is we bring ourselves in line with the will of Christ. And when we bring ourselves in line with the will of Christ, we bring ourselves closer to him. We can hear him in a new way. He can move in us in a new way, and it opens the space for his direction, his guidance, and his blessing because we are walking in his will. And that's a pretty amazing thing. And I would encourage us all to spend time asking ourselves that question. Where am I? submitting. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God forever. The Father and forever. To the glory of God the Father. Name above all names. Right? Most powerful amazing, immeasurable, and He's our Savior. And He cares intimately about each one of us, so much so that He humbled Himself to raise us up, that we could be with Him forever. And so as we go today, I want to ask two questions. And if you write things down, write it down. I text myself all the time. Text yourself if you need to. So the first question is this, where are you having trouble submitting? Where is that? Is that in your marriage? Is that in a friendship? Is that as a parent with the boss you don't respect? Where are you having trouble submitting? And then the second question is, why? What is it that gets in the way? of you being able to yield to the will of that person. What is it that gets in the way of your submission? Is it selfishness? Is it pride? Be really honest with yourself. And then as we go through this sermon series, challenge yourself every week. What is that gonna look like for me to really consider the we as being greater than the me? to humble myself, and to serve, even if I'm at the very top of the pyramid? What's it going to look like to walk like Christ, to look like Christ, and to love like Christ? How will that change the world around me? And so I'm going to pray over us, and then I know Danny's coming up, so if you'll stand with me, because we all need a little prayer when we think of this uh, topic. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you see us, your broken, sinful, crazy kids, and you call us your own. That you love us so much, you walk with us through every space you've put us. Even when we can't hear you, even when we can't see you, God, you are there And so, Lord, we ask that these coming weeks, you would really open our eyes and let us see where we are failing to put the needs of others first, where we are failing to submit. You give us the model of how to do this. Lord, soften our hearts so that we want to walk in that. Be with your people, God. Help us love each other well so that others can look at us and say, those are people of great love who follow the will of their Savior. In your precious name we pray, amen.